Hello folks, welcome to Tech Talk, the only show where we go over all the GNU slash Linux distributions, I read Stallman's blog, it's, it's just the best show, okay? So, today we'll be going over a few things. The first thing is, Google is releasing a new operating system. Um, we don't really know if it's meant to replace Android or like Chrome OS, but what they're doing this time is that last time they they made everything based on the Linux kernel, so they had to open source a couple things, and you know. But now basically they're making their own kernel called Magenta. It's a micro kernel, not monolithic kernel. So if you're a fan of micro kernels, like in Minix, this is a improvement. So basically, it's going to be released under the uh. It's gonna a mix of the BSD, MIT, and Apache licenses, which basically means it's gonna be under permissive free software licenses. So I wish it was under the GNU GPL because that way people wouldn't be able to steal it and turn it proprietary and stuff like that. But whatever, this is good enough. At least you can still access and do access the source code and use all the normal freedoms that you would get with the GNU GPL. It's just that people can now make proprietary competitors to your system. So, the system is called, I'm not even sure if I can say it, but I'm going to try. Fuchsia. F-U-C-H-S-I-A. Its logos are sort of like infinity, but like one side is much bigger. It's currently in early development. It says here that it's partially written in Rust. That's interesting. I thought that program I thought that language was like a meme language. Oh well. Okay. So in other news, the Free as in Freedom 100% Libre distribution Parabola GNU slash Linux Libre is experiencing a couple difficulties with its development. So it all started three weeks ago when there was a huge flame war between the developers and like a third of them bailed. Um they're now working on different things, um, but it looks like this might be the the final straw, and this might be the death of Par Parabola. So, for those who aren't familiar with the other GNU slash Linux distributions that are approved by the Free Software Foundation, there's a lot of them, and by that I mean like 10, but there's only really like two or three good ones. So there's Parabola which is based on Arch Linux. So Arch Linux is a very unique sort of distribution. It comes with no installer, and it only installs the very base system. But once you have actually installed it, it comes with almost nothing, and you get to com you get to build the entire system from the ground up to be just how you want it. In a way, it's sort of like Gentoo, you know, but without the, comp the long, long compiling times, since the package manager Pacman actually uses binaries instead of downloading the source code. It also has this very large software repository called the Arch Users Repository, or the AUR. And the AUR is this, anyone can upload a package, non-free packages, free packages. So that's why every time you download from the AUR, you have to read the little list of what it's going to download to make sure it's not downloading anything sketchy. So basically, Parabola is basically just Arch, but without the AUR and a bunch more packages, but all of them are free. And 
this is like the strictest sense of the word for freedom. So like they don't even allow things like Mozilla Firefox on this. They have replaced it with something like um, Debian. A while ago, Debian did this as well. They made a browser called Ice Weasel, which is basically the exact same thing as Firefox, but with a new logo and name. It also no longer allows you to download non-free add-ons. So in that way, it's more free software. So they replaced um, they replaced Firefox with Ice Weasel, Thunderbird with Ice Dove, Sea Monkey with Ice Ape, and there was a calendar program that they replaced as well, but I can't remember. So anyway, Parabola is a replacement for Arch, but completely free, doesn't have any sort of, um, any sort of non-free software, it's pretty good. Um, I personally use it myself on my ThinkPad X60. I distro, I'm continually distro hopping. I just, just left Debian. So, the other free software distribution that's actually, like, working is called Trisquel GNU slash Linux. And, Parabola, it's it's sort of like the Ubuntu of the free software world. So Ubuntu is another Linux distribution that's very user-friendly, and it, it sort of just works, you know? So basically, Trisquel is Ubuntu with all the proprietary software taken out, and they took uh, Debian's method of cleaning the kernel and taking out all the proprietary blobs out of it, and applied it to Ubuntu's kernel. That's different from the method used by Parabola, which is they use Linux Libre as their kernel, which is made by the GNU project, and that means that there's... It's a bit different. So basically, Trisquel, it's pretty good for um, basic users, since you can just install it, and it comes with all the software you need, comes with an office suite, comes with, um, I believe, the replaced Firefox with a browser called A Browser. I like that. Um, and it also comes with the GNU IceCat browser and all that stuff right in the package manager. And it uses the apt package manager, so if you're used to using a Debian uh, or PKG environment, uh, sorry, D PKG environment, then you should be very familiar with this. It doesn't. It's, it has the almost as strict as guidelines as... Parabola. The difference is that Trisquel allows some promotion of non-free software in their repositories. So, like, they allow an icon pack, which has icons for non-free software. Well, Parabola will, like, nope, nope, hold on. Yeah, so, basically, like, if you uploaded Numix, which is a icon pack, to the Parabola repository, and it had... Oh, a thing where it would put a new icon on Google Chrome, then Parabola would, the development team would delete your package. So that's how strict the Parabola guys are. So, speaking of, I told you earlier about how a bunch of the developers uh, splintered off of Parabola to do new things over a large flame war, and I, I can't seem to find out what it was about. I can't even find documentation of what the when the flame war happened, except on IRC channels, which might be lying to me, honestly, I don't know. But basically, um, 
but the guy who was doing the all the work on the kernel for Parabola has now started doing a project called Linux Hardened Libre. No. Linux Libre Hardened. It's basically exactly what it sounds like. It's the Linux Libre kernel, so the Linux kernel with all the proprietary bits and blobs stripped away, and then it's hardened to be more secure. So, it's sort of a replacement for Linux Libre GRSec, which is, that went away when GR security became pay-only. So, I should probably tell you about GR security. This is another bit of breaking news. Basically, so a while ago, GR security was just available to everyone, and they had the standard patches and the testing patches. So what GR security is, is it's a patch for the Linux kernel that provides a ton of enhanced security features. It's just great for web servers. It's a bit overkill if you're just running a desktop machine. You can just use, like, AppArmor or SE Linux. If you don't know what those are, those are mandatory access control systems, which they stop programs from doing things that they don't actually need to do. So it protects your system a much better. But basically, GR Security, it did a lot of hardening. So it made CH root jails, which are like, it generates a, a CH root is it generates a, like a sandbox where the application can do all the stuff, do all the stuff it needs without accessing the real system's file system and resources. It made them harder to escape. It used a program called PAX, to in a it would like restrict what sections of the memory certain programs could do could mess with and then it did a role based access controller RBAAC which basically made it so that it's like app armor certain programs aren't allowed to interact with certain files which is normal in unix but it's somewhat easier to bypass in normal unix than it is in SE Linux or one of the other mandatory access control systems. So yeah, so GR Security used to be all free software. And I mean free as in gratis, not as in freedom. It's still free software as in freedom, but it's not as, as gratis anymore. So basically, they used to offer standard patches and testing patches. And then a while ago, some embedded system basically... Uh, ripped off GR Security, ripped off their name, and then stamped their logo all over their homepage and was like, we have GR Security. And so that really ticked off the GR Security guys, but since they couldn't actually do anything with the... They couldn't really do anything about it since they were using open source code, they just shut down the standard patches from being accessed by non-customers. And so basically, they'd offer you a subscription. And if you were caught redistributing the patch, how you wouldn't be sued, like with proprietary software, but your subscription would be cut off. And then, basically, it was really only meant for enterprises. It was 200 bucks a month or something. But now, because of another fiasco where another system, I think it, uh, multiple systems, it's like Alpine, Alpine Linux used a fake GR security kernel and a couple other couple other Linux distributions and like embedded systems and stuff like that used their logo and their name and all that stuff GR security cracked down even more so 
they made it so that no testing patches, no patches at all, are available to the community for free, and it's now customer only. And if you're caught redistributing a patch, you you will have your um, subscription taken away. And if you try to use the GR Security logo or name on anything else, you'll also get sued. So this has just like crushed the hardened Gentoo project and as well as the hardened Arch project. And so basically, a new kernel patch has risen up these guys called the kernel self-defense team have made it and it's called linux hardened and it's supposed to replace gr security but it isn't really that great but basically in the arch linux repositories and the gen 2 repositories it gr security kernel patches have been replaced by linux hardened kernel patches and so now the guy who used to be doing the kernels for Parabola is now making a Libre version without any proprietary drivers of this hardened kernel to replace GR security. So, I don't know if this is going to go anywhere, but I'm hoping it eventually makes it back into the official Parabola re repository so I can install it myself. So now we're going to be going over a bit more news, something a bit more mainstream. So, Windows 10 was found to ignore most of the security settings that you would put in place. So if you told it not to connect to a certain server, it actually would. It just would, like, pretend it wasn't. Um, this was done by a Twitter user. I'm going to find out his name while I'm talking. Just give me a second. Who He put Windows 10 in a VM... A virtual machine, which is, it's like a virtual computer. You can provide it with virtual resources, and then, you know, you can monitor everything in it and tweak it around, and, you know, it's very hard to escape. And he watched what it was doing, and if it was connecting to certain, certain, um, servers, even when he had that stuff turned off. So basically... I can't find the Twitter post, but it did happen, and Microsoft has acknowledged it. So, this is, like, really bad for all the people defending Windows in the current year. Um, so, yeah, like, some people are saying that you have to install a program that does a couple things to actually be secure, but this just proves you can't trust proprietary software to do what it tells you to. So, yeah. On another note, Windows 10 S has released, has just released, and it's given us a pretty dark look at the future. So, in Windows 10 S, they did away with the .exe file format, and instead, you can only install apps from the in the App Store of Windows 10. So, they're essentially presenting a walled garden which restricts their users as the secure way instead of making a more secure system. I'm going to predict, I don't know if this is right, it, it might not be right, that they're going to use this in the future to cut off competition. So Windows has been, Microsoft has been trying to sell their like crappy games their crappy game distribution system. It's a rival to Steam for a while now. But basically, um, my theory is that they're eventually going to like do things like cut off the distribution of Steam in the Windows App Store so that you'll have to buy 
your Vidya from Microsoft. And they'd make a lot of money, but it would it would make a lot of people really mad too. So um I would recommend not installing Windows 10 S. If you like security, I would recommend finding a secure Linux or BSD-based distribution. Speaking of BSD, um, I'm going to tell you a bit about OpenBSD, which is a rather old project, which is meant to create an open-source version of the Berkeley software distribution. But it's received a bit of attention recently because of its... The, de the developers got hacked a while ago, and a while ago they started replacing... They started putting sort of built-in cryptography so that everything by default is very secure. Um, and so this is getting some attention recently. So you might not know the history of BSD, but basically a while ago there was a, an operating system called Unix, which was made by AT&T, and Berkeley got their own version of Unix. And then they later released it, under the BSD license. And it's a mostly free software license. The only problem is that it restricts you from... Um, you have to advertise... That there's No. There's something about advertising in it. I'm not exactly sure what. That is against the spirit of the GPL. And basically... Which makes it sort of non-free software. But basically, that clause got taken out later... So now BSD is officially free software. The only problem is that most BSD distributions include binary blobs in the kernel and have and have um, proprietary programs within their package managers. So the package manager used by BSD is called Ports, which is it's sort of like Portage with Gentoo, but it downloads the source code then compiles it. And depending on how fast your GPU or CPU or whatever is, that could be, like, like super fast, and it could just compile it really quickly. Or it could take, like, days. And because Gentoo is a rolling release distribution, which means uh, it doesn't actually have, like, releases, it just sort of has, like, download uh, the distribution and then... It constantly updates forever, and you basically never need to download another version of it. But BSD uses the same sort of compiling, which it makes for sometimes if you want to install a large program like Firefox or the BSD kernel, it makes it, it's going to take a while, so most users just leave their PC on at night compiling all that stuff. Um, it just occurred to me, you might not actually know what compiling is. So compiling is the practice where you take the source code of the program, it's written in maybe Python or C++ or something like that, and your computer isn't able to actually understand that stuff. So it needs to be compiled, it runs through essentially a compiler, to be turned into ones and zeros, which the computer can understand. And this takes a while. Um, so most operating systems just use binaries by default. 
you don't actually download the source code, you just download the ones and zeros, and somebody else already compiled it. But basically, after that, yeah. So, Gen 2 uses compiling, basically, and BSD uses compiling. Everything else, basically, uses some form of binaries. So, OpenBSD got, is getting some attention, but, and it's being recommended for security, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. I'd recommend something like Cubes OS. It's an operating system where everything runs inside a virtual machine. It's very, very hard to escape a virtual machine, and exploits to get out of one, they cost a whole lot. So, like, Google, they, they, if you get a server, a virtual private server on Google or Amazon, for that matter, they'll put you inside a virtual machine. I believe they use the Zen hypervisor and not the KVM hypervisor, but, you know. Um, and it's very, very hard for you to say, break out of the little box they put into you into and get to the entire Google server. So, basic, virtual machines are hard to break out of and rather easy to, like, set up and configure. You just find a hypervisor and it'll basically set itself up. So there's there's really only two hypervisors right now, which is Zen, it's spelled X-E-N, not Z-E-N, and KVM, which stands for the kernel-based virtual machine. So, basically, KVM is older and thus more stable, sometimes has less, less exploits, but... Zen, if that is the right way to pronounce it, it might be XN, I don't know, um, is newer and has some better features. So, yeah. So, now, um, okay. I'm gonna be, this is my, my section of this episodes, of these episodes Tech Talk, where I'll be reading from Richard Stallman's blog to see about what colorful opinions he's expressing today. So on his front page, he's telling us to support the United States Green Party, support the Citizens Climate Lobby, and donate to the Free Software Foundation. I believe this is old, but he also told people to vote for Macron and physically hold your nose as you enter and leave the voting place to show that you're voting against Le Pen in, rather than for Macron. And he also said, vote tactically in the UK election to defeat the Tory. And let's look at his list of, of things that he wants people to do. In India, he wants people to make and sell buttons that say, don't be tracked, pay cash, in English and or the local language, to resist the campaign against cash by the government. <clears throat> so Richard Stallman is very pro- freedom and anti-government surveillance, so he's talked about how he doesn't ever use a cell phone or pay with a credit card or do anything. He, ac he actually said that he does pay with a credit card sometimes, but only when buying airport tickets, since he has to give his identity anyway. He says that you shouldn't have to give your identity on an airport flight, which, that's a thing. He also wants people to 
post videos of his talks on audiovideo.gnu.org, which is it's the place where all the videos and audio and bits of audio from all of Richard Stallman's talks and all of the GNU project sort of um, pieces that they've recorded are. And then he also wants people to write a, a recipe on how to connect to the Wi-Fi in the New York City subway station without running non-free JavaScript code. So what what he means by non-free JavaScript code is he means um, JavaScript code that does not respect your freedom. So until a while ago, JavaScript code didn't really fall into his definition of software, or I guess he considered it too trivial to talk about, but now he's saying that you should disable all JavaScript code that gets sent to you by websites through your browser that don't respect your, that doesn't respect your freedom. Um, this breaks basically everything, which is why I have to not do that, because you go on YouTube, broken, like, like, it won't even work at all. Go on Reddit, broken. It's basically the equivalent of turning off JavaScript, but even worse, because, like, some random weird scripts will run in the background anyway, because this add-on that he proposes, Libre.js, it runs, um, it runs scripts it considers trivial. So he also wants you to help main, maintain and operate savannah.gnu.org, which is, savannah.gnu.org is like the GNU clone of GitHub. So it's a place where you can put up all of your code and people can edit it and other people can download it. And it's, it's cool, I guess. It's defined as a software forge. It's, it's kind of like SourceForge, I guess. More like SourceForge than GitHub. I'm just going to tell you right now, the user interface is just like 2003. Okay. So then he also wants to help you put websites, help websites put free licenses on their JavaScript code. So this happened to quite a few people. For instance, the website nonfree.pizza had a hard time putting website putting uh, the correct licenses on their JavaScript code so that Libre.js would pick up the fact that it was free JavaScript code and run it. And he also wants you to write site-specific Firefox extensions or local scripts to operate on specific websites and replace JavaScript. So say you're going to YouTube, instead of you downloading a large bit of JavaScript from YouTube and then just running it in your browser, instead you got a little Firefox icon, a little Firefox add-on, sorry, that knows the correct JavaScript for YouTube and will run it on your local machine without fetching it from the YouTube site. That sounds pretty cool. Um, he also wants you to help various sites uh, make simple but substantial changes in their websites. For example, to use the GNU project's recommended terminology. What he basically means like this is, it's not Linux, it's GNU slash Linux, and... It's not open source. It's free as in freedom. And all of his sort of like terms. He even wrote an entire article on terms you should avoid because they are loaded or confusing. Speaking of that, 
I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you that. It, I think you'll, I think you'll find it funny. So some of the terms he wrote are just like very simple. Like he doesn't think the term piracy is good because it it can it it sort of conflates illegal or unauthorized downloading with robbing and murdering people at sea. Just give me a second. I'm just gonna look this up on GNU.org. Okay, here we go. Let's see this. So here's... Wow, this page is really long. I'm only gonna read the, like, good ones. So, the first one he doesn't like is ad blocker. When you, you when the use of the program is to block advertisements, ad blocker is a good term. However, the GNU browser IceCat blocks advertisements that track users as a consequence of a broader measure to prevent surveillance by websites. This is not an ad blocker, this is surveillance protection. I kind of agree with this, I guess. I think it's if the purpose of blocking ads is surveillance protection, you should call it surveillance protection, not an ad blocker. Access. I can't understand why why that's a word he hates, but let's check it out. It is a common misunderstanding to think free software means that the public has access to a program. This is not what free software means. The criterion for free software is not about who has access to the program. The four essential freedoms concern what a user that has a copy of a program is allowed to do with it. For, a, for instance, Freedom 2 says the user is free to make an, another copy and give it to you or sell it to you. But no user is obligated to do that for you. You do not have the right to demand a copy of a program from any user. In particular, if you write a program and never offer code to anyone but to anyone else, this program is free software albeit in a trivial way, because every user that has a copy has the four essential freedoms, since the only such user is you. He writes a bit more, but he's basically just repeating himself but rephrasing it. I don't really understand why he doesn't like the word access, but whatever. Okay. Alternative. We don't describe free software as an alternative to proprietary, because the word presumes that all alternatives are legitimate and each additional one makes users better off. In, eff in effect, it assumes that free software ought to coexist with software that does not respect the user's freedom. We believe that distributions on as free software, that distribution as free software is the only ethical way to make the software available for others to use. The other methods, non-free software and Service as a software substitute subjugate their users. We do not think we do not think it is a, it's good to offer users those alternatives to free software. So I had an argument with Miles about this one. He was saying that they're still technically an alternative, but now I guess he understands the official GNU line now. So he, he doesn't apparently doesn't like the word assets or BSD style closed software closed source. He says closed source clearly refers to the term open source, and open source is not about free software 
open source is a development model, not a philosophy. So he says we should call it non-free or proprietary instead. He says he also doesn't like the cloud. He says that we shouldn't call it cloud. It's a marketing buzzword with no coherent meaning. It's basically you putting your data in somebody else's computer. He also says, please don't use commercial as a synonym for non-free, which is basically you can sell all the free software that you want. So free software can be commercial software. He also says that compensation is a bad word. He says using this word in, the, in connection with copyright carries the assumption that one, copyright exists for the sake of the authors, and two, whenever you read something, we take on a debt to the author which we must repay. The first is simply false. He gives me a he gives you a link. Let's see where this link leads. Oh, it's a page called Misinterpreting Copyright: A Series of Errors. And he talks about the U.S. Constitution. Balancing, uh, I'm not going to read this whole thing, but basically, he's, he's saying that copyright does not exist for the author. And he says the second is outrageous. With compensating the right holders adds a further swindle. You're supposed to imagine that means paying the authors, and occasionally it does. But most of the time, it means the subsidies for the same publishing companies that are pushing unjust laws on us. Hmm. It appears he isn't against selling software, just against publishers? Hmm. He doesn't like the word consume, consumer, content, creative commons licensed, creator, digital goods, digital locks, digital rights management. I understand why he doesn't like that, because digital rights movement management is basically you're not allowed to do that with the computer that you bought because we made it. We can tell you what to do. He says they should be called digital handcuffs, and I agree. Ecosystem floss. He doesn't like the term floss because it means free slash libre and open source software. And it was coined as a way to be a neutral between free software and open source. He says, if if neutrality is your goal, floss is the best way to be neutral. But if you want to show your stand for freedom, don't use a neutral term. For free FOSS, or free and open source, freely available, freeware, giveaway software, Google. Oh. He's against using the word Google as a verb. So, you should, because it promotes Google every time you want to just search the internet. Hacker. He says a hacker is someone who enjoys playful cleverness, not necessarily with computers. The programmers in the old MIT free software community of the 60s and 70s referred to themselves as hackers. Around 1980, journalists who discovered the hacker community mistakenly took the term to mean security breaker. People, please do not spread this mistake. People who break security are crackers. Intellectual property, lamp system. Oh, 
LAMP system stands for Linux, Apache, MySQL, and PHP. He says you should actually call it GLAMP, or GNU, Linux, Apache, MySQL, and PHP. Let's see what other terms. Linux system, market, monetize, MP3 player. Oh, he says that MP3 players, it's a bad idea because most of them support other formats, including free software formats that don't require proprietary codecs like the MP3 does. So like the OGG, an OGG file. Yeah, so it says, Open, PC, Photoshop, Piracy, PowerPoint, Protection, RAND, Reasonable and Non-Discriminatory, or so Software as a Service. And basically, his, he's railing against Software as a Service because, say you go to Google Docs, you don't really control what happens to your document, Google does. Cell software, sharing economy, Skype, software industry, source model, theft, trusted computing, and vendor. So, there we have it. Richard Stallman says that you should use all those words carefully or not at all because they are loaded and or confusing. I just, I just really like GLAMP. It has a it has a much better ring to it than a lamp system. Glamp. Glamp. So I believe that is about it for Tech Talk today. I hope you all had a good listening to my podcast. I I'm gonna ask you to give me a rating. So come up to me. No no hold on. Email Dread72 at airmail.cc, your rating of my program. So, by program, I mean like television program, not software program. And, like, I'm hoping I'll get a lot of 10 out of 10s. However, I seriously doubt anyone even bothered to listen this far after I started my first session of, mum- of techno babble. Okay. Goodbye.